Luke, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding countryside. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. It's a delight for me to be with you this morning. Once again, I bring you greetings from all 88 congregations of our Southwestern Washington Synod. But it's a particularly uh, delight for me to be here at my home congregation at St. Mark's by the Narrows, particularly uh, on this day when we will be celebrating our annual meeting. And we'll also be um, focusing on our theme for the year, Companions on the Way, Companions on the Way. I love that theme. I love both the words of it and I love the image of it for all kinds of reasons. And I'll kind of, will kind of dig into what those words mean to me at least. But one of the reasons that I like that theme, Companions on the Way, is that uh, it connects us with the whole people of God throughout history. Think of all of the stories. Think of all the prominent events in the Old Testament and the New Testament where people are on a journey, where people are on the way some, some, somewhere. So right off the bat in Genesis chapter 6 is Noah and his family and the animals in the ark that are sailing across the seas until God brings the waters down and brings them back to safety. Or in Genesis chapter 12, God invites Abraham and Sarah to pack up everything they have and to leave their home and travel to a whole new place, a place they have never been before that he says will be a place of blessing for them. And then in Exodus is, the, is the, probably the biggest journey story of the Old Testament. Uh, by this time, the, the great, great, great grandchildren of Abraham and Sarah, who are now known as the children of Israel, have found themselves in Egypt, where at first things go well for them, but then the Egyptian pharaoh makes them slaves, makes them slaves, and it's a bitter time in Egypt. But God hears the cries of God's people, God sees their anguish, and so sends Moses to free them from slavery and to go on a journey to freedom, on a journey to new life. And they take that 40-year journey through the wilderness to the place of new life in what will become Israel. So that's the third great, Jonah, uh, great journal. Uh, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, the people of Israel, and the Exodus. Exodus means the way out, the way out to freedom. The fourth big journey story in the Old Testament is a story that happened 700 years later it's the story connected to our Nehemiah lesson that we heard read this morning, that in 587 BCE, uh, the Babylon Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar sweeps in from the east 
and conquers the southern part of Israel called Judah, where Jerusalem is. And Nebuchadnezzar uh, carts off uh, a big portion of the Israelite people, not all of them, but a huge portion, tens of thousands of them, to do forced, uh, cheap labor in Babylon. And so once, a once again, it's a bitter time for the Israelites. But once again, God hears the cries of the people. And so God stirs up the Persian emperor, empire to the north of Babylon to come down and conquer Babylon. And the Persian emperor, Cyrus, says that all the Israelites can go home again. And so they return from exile and go back home. And they're led, uh, they go back home in groups uh, over uh, almost 100 years, four groups over 100 years, but Ezra and Nehemiah are the leaders of those last two groups. So big journey stories, big journey stories to new life. And then the New Testament, think how much of the Gospels in the book of Acts is first Jesus taking the disciples on a journey together not just the 12 disciples, but men and women, Mary Magdalene and Mary and Martha and Salome and so forth, down through Galilee to Jerusalem and then after the resurrection from Jerusalem, led by the Spirit, out to the ends of the, wor ends of the world. We are part of God's people. And so in 2019, we will be uh, celebrating, but also considering together how, how is God... Uh, leading us on the way? How is God taking us on a journey to a new place? And what's that going to mean for us? Now, it's important to notice that uh, a, a big part, a lot of those journey stories in, the, in Scripture, both the Hebrew and the Greek Scripture, are God taking people out of captivity into freedom. God freeing people from the, from the structures, from the powers that that trap them and confine them and keep them less than they are. God taking people out of captivity into new life, new life. And so that, that leads us to ask the question, how about in our society, in our life today, what are, the, what are the powers that hold us captive? What are the powers that diminish us? And God wants to take us on the way to full life. For, the, for Israelites, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, Egypt and Babylon and then Rome. What are the powers in our day? What are the powers that control and shape our lives? Money, uh, the fear of not having enough, the need to have a little bit more, how that shapes us. Um, a media, uh, political leaders that use our fears to shape us and control us. What are the powers that shape us and control us even subconsciously? Sometimes our prisons, our captivity, is of our own making. For example, sometimes it's our, our self-judgment, our constant uh, critiquing of everything we do. Sometimes it's the constant fear that we're just not enough, we're not good enough, that keeps us in a prison. So we create our own captivity. Um, sometimes it's uh, a terrible event has happened to us and quite appropriately we're angry we're angry about it and anger anger can move us to address bad situations but then the anger just settles into resentment that we can't shape and resentment moves to revenge sometimes that's the prison that that traps us or our families but sometimes i think we look around and it feels like as a people as a nation as a world we are caught in these forces that bring out the worst in us. We look around and so we see in our nation right now where we are constantly caught in a pattern of 
of attack and of insult and of a refusal to, to respectfully dialogue with each other. We look around and we see the forces of violence, we see the nations in turmoil, we look, we look at our planet gasping for breath and we wonder when will we free ourselves, how can we be freed from that prison of, of climate oppression. We want something better than this, but we feel imprisoned. So part of the promise, part of the promise in our theme this way, companions on the way, is that God, God's work is to be insistently leading us from our captivities to new life, to new life. And so what is, what is the new life that you would like this year in 2019? If God takes you on the way to new life, what is the new life? What is it within your own heart, within your own personal life? What's the new life? What's the new freedom you would want to have this year? Or what's the new life that you would like for your family, for your family interactions, or for, for our congregation? What's the new life? What's the new freedom? What's the new way that we want for our nation and for the world and for the planet itself? That's the, that's the gift that is promised to us as we join as companions on the way this year. Another gift in that phrase, another promise in that phrase, is that we don't have to make this journey alone. We, uh, we do it with companions. We do it with companions. The word companion, as you probably know, that literally means uh, the ones who share bread together. Friends that are close enough to you, you'll sit down and share a meal with. We have companions to make the journey with. It strikes me that there is just a lot of loneliness in our society these days. Just for a lot of folks, it just feels like life is so complicated and feels like people feel like they're facing it all by themselves and nobody really understands what's going on or maybe cares all that much. There was even a New York Times article not too long ago about uh, loneliness in corporate America that HR people are noticing that just a lot of workers, even though they're pressed together in office buildings, feel lonely. They feel all on their own. Well, someone said to me recently, I can't remember who gave me the quote, that um, every path, no matter how difficult, is easier when we have friends to walk it with us. And that's the promise. That's what we celebrate today, that we are, we are companions on the way. A nice little, uh, nice little piece of information dawned on me that the name of our church body in this region, we are the Southwestern Washington Synod of the ELCA, the word synod, S-Y-N-O-D. Uh, the word synod in Greek literally means to be on the same road together. We are walking, that's what a synod is, to be on the same road together. And so we have companions, not only those of us gathered here at St. Mark's this morning, but at, right about at this hour, throughout the 88 congregations of the Southwestern Washington Synod, there are about 20,000 Lutherans that are coming to the table to share bread, and we are companions together. You have 20,000 companions, just counting the ELCA Lutheran family. We are companions on the way, and that's what gives us our strength. And the key part of that is that, of course, of course, not only are we companions to each other, but there's another one walking the road with us, namely that God is our companion in this journey. Now, we say that so often that we almost probably don't notice it, or it almost becomes kind of like a cliche to say that God is with us. Well, of course that's true, but, but how do we know that that's true, and what, what does that really mean? 
I think it's important to, to hold on to that promise that God is a companion with us because it, it's, there comes times when life is just so complicated and so difficult that we perhaps some of us deep in our hearts do begin to wonder just, just where is God and what is God up to? We begin to wonder after we've been praying for something and nothing seems to happen. We wonder, does God really care about us? Is God going to intervene for us? Where is God and what is God up to? That's what the scene in Nehemiah is about this morning. It's a, it's a big story, but basically the Israelites had come back from Babylon, back from exile, but, but Jerusalem and their land had been completely destroyed. Everything was flat. The temple was down, the walls were down, they had no protection. And they were sitting there thinking, where is God in this? We, God says we are God's people. Well, where is God? How do we know God is there? And so Nehemiah and Ezra bring out the, the book, that is the Torah, the five books of Moses, and read the story to remind them, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created you and breathed life into you. In the beginning, God said again and again, I am your God and you will be my people and I will give life to you each day. And then in the gospel lesson, that's also what Jesus is facing. The people of Israel in Jesus' day, over 90% of them lived in deep poverty. Through the taxation system and through the oppression of Rome and Herod, most of them had lost their family farms. They were reduced to being day laborers. They had lives that brought them no honor, no joy. And so they too were perhaps wondering, well, where is God in this? Can we count on God anymore or, all, or not? And so it was at that, there was at that Sabbath day in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, where Jesus unrolled the scroll of Isaiah and spoke the words of God, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And therefore, and therefore, and this happens in Jesus' words later on, and therefore, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. God has not abandoned me. and not, God has not abandoned you because you are my people. You are my companion. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And God is at work this day, this starting this day. God is at work to change things, to bring us to new life. This day, the lame will begin to walk and the hungry people will begin to eat and those who are weighted down with any shame will have new life given to them because this day God is present and walking this way together, God will take us to new life. And that's where the third uh, gift of this phrase uh, comes out to me, companions on the way. We've already talked about the word way, how God takes us on a way, but there's something significant in saying companions on the way, the way. The early Christians didn't refer to each other as Christians in the first decades. Uh, they called themselves people of the way. People of the way. They were, they were the ones who followed the way of Jesus. So God isn't taking us just on any path. God is taking us on the way that brings life. And if we are companions on the way, that means we're committed to following the way of Jesus. And what is that way? Well, the way of Jesus is that we, we trust God, that God is the center of our life, no matter what else. There's lots of things that compete for our attention, but God is the center of our life. So we love God, but we also love one another. To follow the way of Jesus, to do what Jesus did, is first of all, that we see each other with God's eyes. We see that we are all God's beloved. Every person, no matter what's going on in their life, no matter what they have accomplished or not accomplished, all of us, each person that we meet, is God's beloved. And so the basic way of Jesus is to treat one another with respect and with care. And Jesus does that to all kinds of people who the rest of society considered of no account and of outsiders. 
Jesus did that to, uh, to sick people, to mentally sick people. Jesus did that to foreigners from outside of the country. Jesus did that to women as well as men. So when we follow the way of Jesus, that means that we walk with both compassion and with justice. We care that things are fair for everybody because everybody is God's beloved. Now we face complicated uh, problems like homelessness and what to do about refugees and uh, oppression towards women in our society. And they are complicated issues and we may not always be in agreement about the strategy about how to best address them. But the bottom line is, if we follow the way of Jesus, we seek justice, we seek compassion. We, ca- we welcome those who come into our midst from around the world and say, these two are God's people, and so how will we best care for them? We welcome those who are of uh, different gender orientation. We welcome those who are poor and struggling. We welcome them because all people are God's beloved. So the basic fabric of our life is that we are woven together as God's people. So that's the way that we are offered this year, companions on the way. We're being invited to take a journey together. And journeys can be exciting or they can be a bit overwhelming at times. There are times when we're just so tired out that even to pack a lunch and go to Point Defiance seems like just too much for us. (laughs) But this year, this year, we are being invited on the way. This year, God comes to us, Christ comes to us and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and upon you. And right now, God is stirring us up to begin a new day, a new day in which all will know they are beloved. God is starting a new day in which God's people will begin to live in fairness and peace. That's the new day, that's the new journey that God invites us on. So let's go. Amen.